Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wool on us. Facing and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. A few weeks back, when the latest iPhone was released, one of the changes from previous models was the decision by Apple to remove the standard 3.5 millimeter analog headphone jack, a technology that dates back, uh, dates way back, actually, over a century ago to over a century ago, uh, and which has changed very little over the years. This had been rumored for months before the launch, with people explaining why it was a really, really bad idea, but Apple announced it claiming that it took courage to remove the jack, uh, which many people had relied on for years. To try and soften the blow, Apple says that each iPhone ships with a dongle that connects to the phone, enabling people to still use their existing headphones or other devices that use that jack, uh, but thereby using up the charging data port unless one were to get another dongle, in this, in this case a splitter dongle as well. Uh, some have argued that the inclusion of the dongle means that all of this uh, is a big fuss over nothing. They say that it, this really just moves the headphone jack from inside the phone to outside the phone. Others, however, are arguing that this sets a dangerous precedent, both moving away from a common, widely used and accepted standard to to a proprietary setup that Apple and Apple alone controls. And on top of that, in moving to Apple's lightning connection, it also moves us towards a world where there could be DRM or other technological controls on audio uh, and other connections. Whereas in the past, you could safely assume that if you plug headphones into an analog audio jack, the sound will just come out fine, no problem. Moving away from that analog solution to a digital one, a proprietary digital one, opens up all sorts of opportunities for mischief from copyright holders. And we know well how much mischief copyright holders can cause at times. Uh, for today's podcast, I thought it would be interesting to discuss this move and whether or not it's actually a big deal, uh, whether this was truly a courageous move by Apple, or if it's just an anti-consumer move that harms users in the long run. Uh, joining us, we've got one of our usual co-hosts, Hirsch Reddy, and a guest co-host who is also the regular producer of this podcast, Lee Beaton. So uh, welcome, guys. Hi. And, uh, well, uh, you're there. Hello. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> I actually was talking to uh, the mic muted. There we go. Well, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> and uh, let's get everyone's biases out on the table. Uh, who thinks this is a big deal? And I'm going to start with Lee since you're our guest. So you get to go first. Um, I mean, I don't exactly know how big of a deal I think it is, but certainly my reaction to it when I heard it was that it's not a great move. I mean, I wasn't a fan. I don't plan on switching to digital headphones or digital audio, and it's one more reason that I'll continue to buy Android phones. But I mean, as to, you know, whether it's the headphone apocalypse or whatever, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't know about that. I mean, it's one small thing, but I, I don't, my reaction to that is not a step in a great direction. And to me, it's a, a lot of it is to do with the proprietary thing. Like, it's not about technology changing but 
I mean, right. analog is one of the few areas where you have technology working kind of the way I think it should work, which is big, open, very widely accepted standards. So everything operates with everything else and anyone's free to start manufacturing or innovating in the space and so on. And digital, it's harder to say that about certain areas of digital media, right? Where there's a pretty big mishmash of proprietary connectors and standards and this and that, that, you know, make that a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people pointed out, you, you said you're going to sort of keep buying Android phones. Some people point out there are, actually are a couple of Android phones already on the market that that took away the, the analog um, headphone jack already. And oh, yeah. Nobody made that much noise about it, but that might just be because, you know, the market share of those particular phones wasn't particularly large. Right. I think if, if like, you know, Samsung took it away on, on their Galaxy, you know, flagship line, then you would hear the same kinds of complaints. Yeah, I mean, also Android phones use USB, which in the world of digital right. standards is one of the more open and fairly standard ones, right? So, yeah. you know, Apple, on the other hand, uses proprietary stuff pretty much wherever it can. Like a lot of people have talked about how Bluetooth is an open standard or somewhat open standard, but Apple also has sort of its signing chip for some sort of special authorized Bluetooth that isn't required, but it's strongly encouraged and manufacturers pay Apple for that as well and stuff. So, yeah, well, Hirsch, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm not that far away from what Lee says. Um, I, 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 I don't, it, I think it's very hard to say that it's like the headphone apocalypse. I agree with him <laughs> there. I also think, um, the, how good or bad it is that they're using the lightning connector kind of really depends on how restrictive the licensing and, or, you know, how the permissioning works for li the lightning connector. And I know recently Apple has really, you know, at least tried or made some efforts to reduce the royalty costs there and opening it up uh, for third-party devices. I know prior to, to 2014, I don't even think they allowed anyone to make uh, devices uh, other than than other than uh, than them making iOS devices. I don't think there were any devices that you could actually plug lightning cables into. Um, I, I think they basically allowed people to be on the other side. In other words, plug their devices into the lightning ports on iOS devices. But I, 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 I can't think of anything that actually had a lightning port in the other way where you could plug lightning accessories into another computing device. I can't think of a single computing device. Yeah, uh, I don't. That, I yeah, don't so think there's anything. And and if that's still the case, then obviously you know, like Lee says, that's that's kind of terrible, right? Because then we have a whole market of headphones that you can only use with Apple devices, right? Um, or you would have to get some other kind of a, an adapter that goes from Lightning to an audio connector, and and that's obviously terrible for um, consumers. And I'm like one of those people that has both Android devices and uh, iOS devices. And I certainly don't want to buy two different sets of headphones for those devices, right? Yeah. And well, I mean, but it, it should be said that, like, you know, part of, at least part of Apple's reasoning, I think, is that they're they're also pushing people to move to towards Bluetooth headphones. Like, they, mm -hmm. you know, they announced yeah. the AirPod devices. Yeah, like yeah, I don't think their vision is people switching to lightning headphones en masse, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that, that might be fair, but, you know, if, if that was the case... Um, you would think AirPod would then use sort of, you know, Bluetooth as the standard, but really AirPods have an, are yet another proprietary wireless standard, right? Um, yeah, which is Apple's standard, and so um, 
there might be good reasons for that. I'm not an, uh, you know, I'm not a wireless engineer. I'm not an audio engineer. Maybe, maybe the Bluetooth really is kind of, of uh, not technically up to the task of doing high fidelity audio at short range. Uh, certainly, the Bluetooth headphones I have are, are 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 far inferior to my wired headphones. But that could also just be because my wired headphones are more expensive and better headphones than my Bluetooth headphones. So it's hard for me to say. So I won't opine on that. But but I do think that. It's it's a little crazy that if they're saying that you know our our wireless standard is going to be the thing that really enables us to have this wider reusable ecosystem of headphones that they would then choose to have yet another proprietary standard, which they haven't even sort of opened up the specs for by the way. So they they I have no idea what what the specs are for that or how that differs from Bluetooth. Okay, so so that's one one thing there. The other thing is you remember when. Apple released, uh, I can't remember, but at least one of their laptops had used USB-C instead of Lightning. Do we remember this? Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. And is that a laptop still on the market? And does its successor still use USB-C? I'm I'm wondering. Because if that's the case, I I really think you could make a USB-C headphones. And in fact, they exist, right? Um, I, I don't understand why there needs to be a proprietary connector for the headphones as opposed to just USB-C. I'm sure someone will chime in in the comments section, Maznik, and, and tell you exactly why Lightning is far better <laughs> than USB-C. Um, but yeah, I agree. I've never understood why Lightning has to exist at all. And I think I've heard a few arguments about it, but I don't know. It's hard for me to buy that those are the reason rather than just Apple wanting to sort of keep everything inside its ecosystem, which is the way Apple operates, right? Yeah, but but let me play devil's advocate there because otherwise it's just the three of us doing a pile on Apple. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just to play devil's advocate, um, you know, uh, there's a couple of things you can think of that might uh, be sort of beneficial to consumers, right? And if we see that as kind of the only be- the real legitimate reason to use Lightning, because it provides a better ecosystem, then uh, then I think these reasons would be the best reasons. And, and the reasons, number one reason I think is, one of the things you have to do when you use Lightning, which isn't the case with USB. With USB, there is a broader sort of governing body that you can pay licensing fees to and then get certified that you meet certain standards, etc. But it's certainly not required. And people can make these kind of you know, uh, yeah, I don't know how to say, you know, like I wouldn't call them pirate, but sort of uncertified USB uh, uh, devices, right? Um, and if, if you do that, uh, you essentially, you know, have a pirate device and someone who doesn't know any better could plug it in and they could damage their gear, right? Because this is kind of an open ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. And with Lightning, if Apple has a tighter rein on it, uh, it's more difficult for some third party to re- release some low-quality device or something like that that could damage consumers' devices. So that might be one argument. I think the second argument, uh, which is along the same lines, uh, which doesn't have to do with damaging per se, but Apple could um, sort of, and this you could see this in both directions as being sort of a negative or a positive, but Apple could sort of uh, institute some minimum standards as to uh, what goes into devices that work on Lightning and what sort of labor is used on it. In other words, to sort of use, um, to enforce first world manufacturing environmental labor standards, right? So it's kind of using the proprietariness of the Lightning Jack to say, hey, we're not going to allow any vendors to sort of plug into this unless they certify that they don't use child labor, et cetera. So it's kind of like a market discipline kind of a thing that they can enforce. Now, 
can be abused as well, right? Because you can, <laughs> once you have that ability, yes. you have the, you know, the uh, tendency to sort of use that, that uh, power to get your uh, shareholders more of the revenue from the total market. So there's different things that they can do there. And, and you could also argue that, hey, this isn't the role of Apple should play, states should play this role. But that's just one thing. And, and then finally, if you have this sort of lightning connector, right, you can, um, since you have sort of knowledge of every device that's going to be plugged into it now, since you're the one doing the licensing, you can kind of, you can manage the driver database. In other words, every time someone plugs a new exotic device into the lightning port, Apple can maintain sort of a, uh, a driver database and sort of a, 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 um, uh, what should you say? A kind of a walled garden of certified drivers that make it so that devices can just work plug and play. And Microsoft has done this for a long time where there's a lot of devices where you can just select, for example, the mic I'm using right now. I never had to install a driver for it. I just plug it in and it works on my PC uh, because mm -hmm. Microsoft already has a driver for it. Um, so you, they can do that, uh, the same kind of thing, uh, which, by the way, doesn't work for all USB devices. I'm lucky that my USB mic works that way because they are registered. But there's a lot of USB devices you plug them in. They're not recognized. And then you have to go onto some website. Then you got to install some binary that you don't know if you can trust or not. Do you see, see what I'm saying? So Apple can bring those benefits as well. So right. there's a lot of benefits there. I uh, guess... Go ahead. I mean, okay, so there's a few points that you made there. And I know, like you said, you're just playing devil's advocate partly. So... I mean, firstly, on the thing with them using it to enforce labor standards, I mean, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. There is, like you said, a conversation about whether that's Apple's role. But I guess also my reaction to that is kind of, well, I'll believe that when I see it. And, you know, that's, I think, a bit separate from <laughs> that's the... That's fair. Yeah. Um, the, the driver's thing and stuff with the proprietary thing makes sense. I mean, I know what you're saying about audio equipment. I've dealt with that, too. But actually, I mean, it seems like now the majority of audio equipment uses the USB audio standard. And so it does work plug and play. Often the device will have additional features and non-standard stuff that you need their driver to activate. But most USB devices now, at least as far as a basic input and output line, are plug and play. But then aside from all of that too, that's a, you know, that's us getting into the broader conversation of whether it makes sense to have a proprietary connector for your digital needs, like, like, you know, digital audio devices and stuff like that. It, to go back to the question of the analog audio jack, well, there's no driver issues there and there never mm -hmm. have been, right? That's, so that's, you know, I don't know that that totally applies there. The one thing you said that is potentially true is that it is possible with analog audio equipment to damage it if you don't know what you're doing, but really that only comes into play with like pro level equipment that gives you a lot more control over stuff where you might end up feeding something a signal that is too intense for it to handle and hurting some of its circuitry or whatnot consumer audio equipment it hasn't really been possible for you to damage it by hooking it up wrong or using a bad item for a long time i mean i've certainly never seen that as a well, major problem well lee that wasn't even the kind of damage i was uh, thinking about i was thinking more along the lines of let's say Apple doesn't have a standard or like you install this kind of uh, this bootleg USB device, right? There's always the 
danger that just plugging that device in will compromise your device security, for example, right? Because but it's not- But, a, that, yeah, but that's, that's if that's you've already made the jump to digital. None of the, so, and that I agree, there are better arguments for why you might mm -hmm. want a proprietary digital connector, and there are reasons to have digital connectors. I'm not saying take mm -hmm. lightning and USB off of phones, right? Mm -hmm. But the question of replacing analog with digital, I don't think that same argument really applies. There's no analog device that can hack into your computer or, or you know, infect yeah, well, it Yeah, well, let me ask you, do you think there's some advantages to having sort of digital for audio? In other words, like, you know, the arguments that Apple or some advocates would make is that um, by eliminating the audio transmission, right, until the very last second where the speaker membrane is vibrating to produce the sound, you you uh, essentially make it, you can make it higher fidelity or you can do more processing or you can do more interesting things. Well, that's true, or it can be true sometimes, for sure. But also, the, that's already possible, right? So the question isn't whether you'd ever want to use digital audio, but whether it's so much better in all circumstances, that, or enough circumstances, that it's worth removing the ability to do analog audio entirely, right? Yeah, I mean that's fair. I it, so, I guess, I guess it, it ultimately comes down to the cost of the connector and the space that you might save by removing them. And I yeah. and I and I would tend to agree with you that it seems like the space is not that much, and the cost of this audio jack is like and so keep, minimal. And keeping in mind they have you know because the phones have speakers, they already have to have a digital analog converter in them, right? Because that that's the other thing right, is, I right. mean, you, mm -hmm. at some point the sound needs to become analog. So when you port that off to the headphones, now every set of headphones and every other audio device that's translating it to audible sound needs to have its own digital analog com component. So you are, you know, you're putting the components somewhere else. You, I guess you could make the argument that's the better place for them to be. I'd rather have one good DAC in my device and then be able to buy headphones and peripherals of various qualities depending on what I need them for you know to receive the same audio stream from that but that doesn't necessarily mean that's the best way I guess mm -hmm. well the cost of DACs is so low now uh, well I guess people are still buying aftermarket DACs so there's always going to be a segment of the population that wants to take the uh, digital stream and convert it with a very high quality DAC but yeah uh, but, you know, leaving those people aside, um, because they can still do, I guess, what I was saying, which is to plug in a lightning DAC at any time. They don't need to remove the audio jack to make mm -hmm. that work. But I, I guess, you know, one of the other things, and this, I, I, I think both of you are going to have a negative reaction to this, but, but I think another thing about having a lightning connector uh, only output is from a rights management perspective, right? Now, if there's no audio output, or at least no high fidelity audio output, uh, it's much harder for someone to sort of use the audio stream in some way that the publisher doesn't authorize. In other words, now right. we can have these subscriptions where it's like, this subscription only works for headphones, but it doesn't work for speakers. Yeah. And right. then you, you'd have to pay a separate, slightly higher uh, Spotify subscription or whatever to play it for your friends, right? Right. Yeah. And, that, can, and that's, you can, you I can mean, slice it in different ways. And, right. And that, that's, that's definitely the fear. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's what people are afraid of. And, and, you know, it goes beyond that too, where it's like, you know, as, as you know, we've seen copyright holders, you know, push for, for greater and greater rights in, in all sorts of areas, you could see them now using this as an opportunity to seek that, right? I mean, there's well, been... They've specifically fought for selectable output control too, right? Like yeah. to be able to block the analog output. 
Yeah, yeah, because I mean that's that's more in in the video space. Yeah, where where the MPAA fought hard to to basically block out any sort of analog output. Um, you know, the audio space. I think they they had had kind of considered that to be you know, uh, you know, too far gone. But now is a chance for them to come back and and basically do the same thing and argue that, you know, uh, I mean, both the the sort of. Uh, Hollywood and the recording industry have talked about the analog hole in the past, and here's Apple stepping up and sort of blocking the analog hole for them. And then, you know, well, once once you have that blocked, then sure, you can start to slice and dice things in in ways that I think consumers would dislike quite a bit. Well, let, let me devil's advocate that again. You know, this is again <laughs> not stuff that I necessarily believe, so people don't send me hate mail. Yeah, you don't but, have to say that. <laughs> but uh, but just to d- devil's advocate it, like think about it this way, right? Um, if you have a, a perfect rights regime, right, where you can exactly ensure that each user uses the audio stream for exactly what they're licensed for, then presumably, you know, at least theoretically, um, you could have lower priced music subscriptions than what you have now. Because now <laughs> the music subscriptions have to be yeah. kind of this average that's for every use, right? Like yeah. you can take a Spotify subscription and play it at a wedding party with 200 guests, right? Uh, and there's no way for people to stop you from doing that. So this average Spotify subscription has to sort of contain that use case in it, kind of you know smeared across all users. So presumably, if you wanted to get a headphones-only subscription, maybe it would be instead of 9.99 a month or whatever it is now, I think it's 9.99 a month. You could pay only 3.99 a month, and it's only for your headphones, right? And then maybe you would pay. Fifteen ninety nine or twenty ninety nine, maybe even a higher price to play it on a device that could be heard by two hundred people, right? Or you know, as you know, like this, like you could essentially have a lot more segmentation of the market, and maybe that that sort of price discrimination uh, would make the lower end of the market cheaper, and maybe people would be playing more of a sort of a quote unquote uh, price closer to their usage pattern, right? Yeah, that's a bunch of bullshit. I mean, like, <laughs> like, I was trying to figure out a nicer way to say that. <laughs> I mean, sure, sure, yeah, I, I get that, and sure, somebody might make that argument. But you know, that reminds me of the the you know broadband players and their argument about like, oh, you know, if we could only uh, you know break net neutrality, we can have all these lower priced offerings. And yet, that's never what actually happens. They only sort of jack the price up, right? So you know, the the what they have now, the nine ninety nine, will stay the same, and that'll become the you know headphone only, and then they'll just be exorbitant charges and people have to pay more to do that and so, you know that's a bunch of bullshit and then the second thing is like like come on right i mean yeah. you've, you've you've officially licensed you've you know you're using the music that you've you've licensed you have a you know once once it's licensed once you have it you have a right to to listen to it on different devices the, there's nothing in in the copyright law that says that you can limit the type of devices that you listen to it or watch it on you know or things like that it's you know I mean, the price is coming down, but so is the value of what you're getting in a pretty huge way, right? Like, it, you know, you're not... And, and that's assuming the price did come down, which I am still dubious about. But, well, but, you know. let's, but hold on, Mike. I mean, that, that's not accurate what you say, that there's nothing in the copyright law that gives you the right to do that. I mean, when you license something to someone in order for them to perform it publicly or whatever, you're giving them the right with certain constraints. You can put whatever constraints you no, want no, on that. Y- y- yeah, okay. Yes, but so so th- there are different issues here. And this actually this actually gets into a, um this there's a similar debate going on right now um about like what the FCC is trying to do with 
set-top boxes. And I, I don't know how much either of you have, have followed this situation, um, but but it's a very, very similar debate um, in that, you know, like the FCC is basically trying to force um, cable operators or, you know, TV operators to make their content available through any device rather than just the... Um, you know, the proprietary cable box that, that they have. And you have the cable companies and you have Hollywood and, you know, some copyright lobbyists screaming about how this is like a, um, um, a violation of copyright by the FCC and that it's, they're creating a compulsory license and all this kind of stuff. And that's a bunch of hogwash because you know, the fact is, like, the content is officially licensed, licensed from the content holder to the to the cable provider or in the music case we were talking about it's licensed from the labels to um to spotify right then you have you know your contract with the the you know cable provider or with spotify and that is a contract to be able to you know to listen to the music that's not you know the license the copyright license is separate from the you know what you can then do with it right the 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 copyright license is between the 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 copyright holder and the the service provider and then once you have access to that through the contract terms of service that you have between yourself and the provider you you're not implicating any other part of copyright law to listen or watch that content through a different device or a different you know headphone or speaker or whatever and so, you know, arguing that that is a copyright issue is something that, you know, is happening today, but it's, it's, it's not part of copyright law. I mean, this is why the VCR exists, why the VCR is allowed and why you don't have to get a separate license to record something on a, on a VCR or a DVR or, you know, to, or anything like that, right? I mean, you have the right, once that content is, is licensed, once you have access to it, you have rights that as a consumer, you can do with that content. And I mean, you know, I guess in a slightly bigger picture sense, also, like, you can make an argument that there's a way they could structure it so they have the right to exert that control. But I mean, that's not really, I think, a positive way for the media ecosystem to be moving or like to be, yeah, you know, I mean, like we need that. That's a way, you know, yes, I can see why people who are still really struggling to update their business models and think that controlling all of the use cases is the only way to do it would want that but I don't know that we want to encourage yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's true, right? So, like, just take a look at the bigger picture, right? The way things are going is to, to you know, give the users more ability to do what they want to do and give them, you know, and, you know, trying to restrict users is just a bad idea these days. That's, like, the whole point of everything that we've learned over the last 20 years. The more you try and restrict users, the more ridiculous it, it gets and the stupider it gets and the more angry users get, you know? Giving users more ability to do more is what works and so you know i but but mike i think one ecosystem that sort of gives lie to that is the apple ecosystem right because prior to the iphone and the ios model um the sort of piracy of software was huge but with the ios devices um it piracy is, is minimal right and and even sort of highly priced software is 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 hardly ever pirated and cracking of iphones is is very minimal. So I think Apple almost uh, is proves yeah. the opposite, which is that if you have a compelling enough hardware device and you lock it down enough, you can kind of reverse these trends. And I think I think they've done it for a lot of different things. And I, I, I think you're right that when it comes to music, 
and to film well and not maybe not film but with music at least maybe they've lost control of that even with the iTunes store but with I think with video and with the rentals that they've shown um, and maybe this is also due to sort of Netflix success I think you know video piracy seems to be a lot less prevalent now than it was I would say like yeah, 10 but, years but ago. You're, argu you're arguing two different things right I'm not arguing against you know uh, marketplaces that work and like you know Netflix works but part of the reason why Netflix works is because it gives users such ability to, but, to watch anywhere and however but, but, they want right well why do you think the app store works for when it comes to sort of uh, so to I mean applications? To, to, to some extent so for for a few reasons to, to some extent like like Apple's sort of the exception that proves the rule I think but like you know the the reason Apple works in that case is because they created such an entire overall ecosystem that is so seamless from, from start to finish that covers absolutely everything about that, right? That's not going to happen in, in the music space, right? Y you know, that's... And you're, you're, you're talking about, like, you know, the examples that you were talking about aren't experiences that make the music situation better, right? You're not adding any improvement in locking it down to just headphones, right? You're making the experience worse. Like, okay, maybe you're making it cheaper, but overall you're making the experience worse how, how and more was limiting. The, how was the app sort of, um, how does the app store make the experience of applications better? Is it just because it's curated or... No, no, it's because it's easy, right? I mean, before mm. you had before you had the the Apple uh, App Store, like the process of getting apps onto your phone or even onto a computer, right? Which is why now, comp you know, the desktop systems are moving more towards sort of an App Store type model as well. You know, it was it was not easy. You sort of had to, mm -hmm. you know, especially on phones, right? I mean, you had to figure out, you know, it, it, before the iPhone came along, right? I mean, you had the carriers who sort of controlled everything. So either they said okay for the app or you didn't get it, and they didn't say okay to any apps. Well, or I you was, had to. I was a mobile you, developer. I'm fully aware of how yeah, horrible right. it was. Going or, or you had to figure out some weird way to sort of sideload it onto the device, and it was just a you know a total pain in the ass. And so you know that, and everybody knows that, right? So they created this experience that that did a few things. One was, you know, it, it opened up a, an easy path um, to, you know, for developers to, to get apps out there. And then they just made it really easy to, you know, you want this app, click this button and, and it installed easily. Like even, you know, it was much easier even than the sort of desktop system where you still had to download and then install and everything like this. This is all sort of one click now. And so that just made everything really, really simple. And you know, on top of that, you know, as people are sort of getting used to the mobile phone, smartphone as a, you know, as a device, um, you know, the curation, I think, did help at the beginning. I think, you know, now the sort of Android ecosystem to me is a lot more interesting um, because you see lots more experimentation and lots, lots of different ideas that don't necessarily show up as quickly in the iOS space. I mean, there's, you know, some back and forth. But um, so... You know, I, I still think that that's, you know, everyone always sort of points to Apple as like an exception to like every rule <laughs> about Silicon Valley. Um, and, you know, I don't buy that you can just look at Apple and say, well, because Apple did it some, you know, some other area, it makes sense to do that. OK, so let me let me, you know, going deeper into the sort of uh, devil's advocate, let me just say, let me give you sort of a, a scenario where maybe the lightning headphone jack really makes sense then, you know, given what you're saying, the user experience. Imagine in the future, every headphone has a um, custom equalizer that goes with it that's really tuned for the headphone in a way that really hasn't been possible in the, in the past. Well, it's been possible, but no one's done it 
because you'd have to sort of enter what headphone you have, blah, blah, blah. But now it just works kind of plug and play. You plug in a headphone, you get a nice skinned, customized sort of custom interface to your audio device. Maybe not even just headphones, but even speakers and things like that, where you can do like very custom things, um, you know, special bass buttons and, uh, you know, you can maybe even you can get like custom equalizer graphs for from celebrities on how they like to listen to their song uh, on, you know, this particular headset, etc. You know, like the Dr. Dre settings, right? Like mm-hmm. you just plug in the Beats headphones and it, it comes on. So that kind of thing, you know, you can see that being something that some people might want. Yeah, I a mean, very, very, very small percentage of people. I mean, most yeah, people Yeah, it didn't work notice. for Neil Young's Pono player. Right. But I, no, I mean, generally speaking, a lot of the audiophile stuff is tricky because there are really fanatical audiophiles out there, but if you test them, they don't actually know, that, you know, it's like wine tasting. Um, <laughs> but uh, Yes, when, when, when put to a blind no, test, I they don't tend think not Pono, to... Pono is in a fair thing because Pono was much more expensive, right? It wasn't... It wasn't the ease. The ease is the thing, right? Like right the, you're not right. going to go out and buy a whole Pano player to get this experience. I'm talking no. about you just essentially go to the iTunes store. You get the Taylor Swift song. The fact that you plug in your headphones, maybe iTunes just says, hey, by the way, do you want Taylor Swift's equalizer settings for your headphones? They're available. And you say right. yes. Click. And okay, so, yeah, so a couple things. One thing, just to keep reiterating this, is that's already possible. So the question isn't should we or could we want to do that but is should that be the only way and is that worth you know getting rid of the alternative lee it's not easy to do now because the user would have to since the only interface is the audio jack the audio jack doesn't report what no but but you could still sell light phone people could still sell lightning headphones and still have an audio jack right um and and, uh you know the other thing is is and this was actually it's funny that you said the dre beats thing because that was one of the first examples i gave when this was all first sort of breaking about a direct I could see it going to become a control thing. You know, I could absolutely also see an album being released that has a bonus track that can only be listened to on the particular set of headphones or something, especially oh, man, when you've got artist-branded headphones like Dr. That's Dre's. evil. Yeah. <laughs> How, really can you evil. not see the new Dr. Dre album having a bonus track that only plays on uh, Beats headphones? Gosh, I can see that happening. I, I hadn't even thought about that. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's would horrifying. Be well, you already see that happen with these, uh, what's it called, Tidal or whatever, where like... Uh, yep. Kanye's album was only available for streaming on Tidal or something like that. And uh, that's another example. I I mean, like, again, not totally fair, like the Pano player, but most of the time when people bank on like, oh, we're going to make this quality thing, it's going to be better audio, it's going to be more prestigious and more elite and for real music fans, every time someone banks on that, it fails. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, Well, Apple's too big to fail, though, you know. (laughs) <laughs> right. But that's why I just say I don't I don't know yeah, but that, I mean, that angle of like, ooh, here's the fancy new features for audio files and the custom EQs and stuff. I don't think that's the direction. Yeah, right, Apple's right. I mean, go. you say you say Apple's too big to fail. But like, look, Apple Music is not doing that well. Right. I mean, it's doing OK. I, I don't think it's going to go away, but I don't think it's taken over the world like Apple expected. You know, I think Spotify still dominates Apple in the music space. Is that true still? Yeah. And then there's the sort of hard to quantify music giant of YouTube that obviously Google <laughs> has tried to turn more into a strict music service. But aside from that, I mean, I would say I probably listen to most of my music on YouTube now. 
You pirate you. Uh, this is, but this a is lot of it's authorized, though. It, admittedly, <laughs> I don't pay close attention to which ones are and which ones aren't. But yeah. well, these there, days, there, a lot there of was there was a study recently that, that just showed that like of the people listen of of the music tracks played on YouTube, I think it was something like ninety somewhere around ninety five percent of it is licensed. Right, and uh, it may have been ninety six percent. I think the number sticking in my head was four percent was unlicensed audio is being well, listened to. So also, if you <laughs> extend that to I, not that you could because you couldn't really quantify this, but the amount that is like the artist knows it's there and just doesn't care or whatever. You yeah, know? I mean, sure. so much of it is like an album from five years ago or an album from ten years ago. By you know, th- so much of it, the artist doesn't care even if they never officially licensed it. They're probably glad it's there. Well, Lee, let me ask you a question. I don't really stream audio on. I have Spotify, so I don't really use YouTube. But when you're using YouTube, are you using YouTube when you're on your desktop or laptop and you're kind of working and it's playing in the background and you have some kind of a playlist or something that just cycles through videos and you just don't watch the videos? I'm trying to understand how does that exactly work? Um, it can vary. So, like, sometimes I'll throw a bunch of tracks onto an instant playlist or whatever and let it play through. I mean, you, you, there's a surprising amount on there that isn't music videos. Admittedly, the probably the levels of it being unauthorized are probably higher in that realm than in music videos. But um, also, I mean, I still listen to a lot of albums. Like, I'm still an album listen to, listener. So oftentimes I'll put on a YouTube video that's an hour long that is a whole album. Again, Wait, someone probably. uploads the entire album. Yeah. Oh, you can find almost any full album yeah. on YouTube. There's a lot of that. And, and it's not taken down? No. Uh, no. Okay, so let me ask you this. So you just, you essentially just start playing the YouTube video and they have like a fixed album art image or something like that. Yeah, usually. Or sometimes and, a big mm. fan will make like a slideshow of pictures or something to go with it. But yeah. mm. and, Okay, so then, then that's not practical because of data uh, reasons to play on mobile. And so uh, it's essentially like a desktop thing, right? You yeah, could do it on yeah. mobile. Uh, well, you could, but it's true that I wouldn't use that as my prime mobile means. Probably, I mean, mm. I you know, for mobile, I generally just put, have a few MP3s on my phone at any given time. I don't listen to a ton of music on the go, so. You know, it, it just strikes me that one of the things this is so far off from the li- lightning cable discussion, but <laughs> why doesn't YouTube just make this option where you can turn off the video and just listen to the audio? Uh, because. They can. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the, the Rio would would freak out. Kill them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, so and there there was there was a service that sort of built that off of the the YouTube API, and uh, uh, YouTube didn't like that. Very yeah. Much. I mean, the whole idea <laughs> of like the YouTube music and being able to save videos for later, it was their sort of attempt to slowly turn it into that, right? To evolve right. YouTube into just a music platform. But it's hard. They can't just up and do it. You know. Yeah, so, yeah, they've had some trouble moving in that direction. But anyways, we're, we're starting to wander yeah. further and further. Well, <laughs> the iPhone, I'm sure, won't allow you to play Google Music via the Lightning port. So. <laughs> well, there we go. We put it all back around. Yeah, yeah that, that's how Apple will, will boost yeah. Apple Music by blocking YouTube from, yeah. from listening. No, you can watch the videos. I know, I, I, I know. I used to have Google I Play, know. and I would play it on my iPhone. I know. I know. I'm, I'm joking. I'm just saying that you know when, when, when times get desperate, um, no, I don't think they're going to do that. I mean, I don't think they're going to do anything quite so blatant, right? I think the real issue is like you know the sort of the little steps 
in these directions that begin to add up and you begin to get pressure from from companies and you begin to get a push for for exactly what you said which is you know the sort of sneaky trick that looks like it's consumer friendly like oh hey we'll offer you a cheaper option if you just limit it to headphones um you know and and that begins to to go down a dangerous path so at least that's that's my concern with it i'll let the two of you have any final words I, I just, my final word is I'm just looking at a I have both a lightning cable and a USB uh, C cable. I have a Nexus 5X as my phone, so it uses a USB C cable. Yeah. And I have a uh, an uh, iPad, so it has a lightning cable. And I'm looking at both of them, and I'm looking at the ports they plug into. And it just struck me that um, even in sort of the cable design, their philosophies are exactly the opposite. So the lightning cable, as everybody knows, is kind of like this male connector that plugs into a female port, right? The pins mm-hmm. that are exposed on the lightning cable get plugged into the Mac or whatever it is, and uh, the, the 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 bigger device, the the, the phone or the laptop, has the re- receiver. And with the USB-C, it's the other way around. The the phone has kind of the female connector, and the bigger device has kind of the the male connector, right? It's almost like they're the exact opposite. Um, the, a USB-C cable or the USB-C port has a like a little uh what looks like a lightning connector on the inside if it makes sense the male right. lightning connector and huh. and and if you think about it which one of those things are going to wear out first right if you think about it i think the exposed the male connector is a thing that is more likely to wear out right it has the exposed pins yeah and it's going in and out and you, would you want that to be on the cheap cable or would you want that to be part of the expensive device? Because it's hard to replace the thing on the device. So I think, at least in that respect, I think Apple actually made the right choice, right? The the female, the receiving part is on the expensive device, and the part that's more likely to wear out is on the cable. You could also argue, though, that, like, the cable is going to get the most wear. So right. The when it's in the, it, when it's in the device, it's also more protected, right? Yeah. So you're less likely to get as much damage to it. But... Yeah. I, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's there are there are different arguments yeah. either way. The thing is, though, like I haven't heard too many stories of those things breaking. Yeah. Anyways, no matter what, like it doesn't seem like that's a common problem. M- might be, but I don't I don't hear too many stories about it. So um, the last thing I was gonna say was that I mean, because like I said at the beginning, I don't know that it's the hugest deal in the world. It just sort of rubbed me the wrong way, and there's certainly some worrying things about it. But one thing that bugs me is I think a lot of the things that people compare it to are really flawed comparisons. So some of the ones that come up a lot are, firstly, the removal of floppy disk drives from computers, Mm -hmm. which I just, you know, I don't... Or or even in the same way, the removal of... um, DVDs and CDs from some of the Mac laptops, sure. right? I, I think there's like a much clearer progression there of the technology not serving its purpose anymore and having been clearly replaced that you just don't see the same thing in analog, right? I mean, yeah. analog audio is not limiting people the way floppy disks were. Right. Um, the Then the other one that I often hear comes up is people comparing it to like ditching analog television broadcasts for digital television broadcasts. But that's a whole other thing, and I think a totally unfair comparison. Because then you're dealing with broadcast bandwidth, which is a different thing. Yeah. And the video, encoding video as analog has limitations that encoding audio as analog doesn't. Yeah. So And, and yeah. yeah, there were spectrum questions around that, too. And, and also, like, going back to, like, the removal of the floppy drive or the optical drives, like... 
you know, there was a legitimate uh, space saving issue there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, those those drives were were large and took mm-hmm. up a tremendous amount of space. So so getting rid of those for space actually made sense. Whereas you know, the argument that you need to get rid of the the audio jack for for space, you know, okay, yes, like, yes, they're making phones as tiny as possible, and they're packing as much stuff into it, so I'm sure, you know, any way that they can reclaim some space probably helps at the margin, but, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think it's as big a difference as, yeah. as the, the floppy or the optical drive. And, you know, the removal of floppies from computers, there there was, you know, a general thing there where they needed to die, they were pretty much already <laughs> dying, and it needed a little bit of a push to usher it into that final thing where everyone accepted not having it there. Right. I don't think you can at all say the same thing for analog audio. For starters, it's not gonna it's not gonna be gone in a couple of years the way floppy disks were after people finally sort of took the jump. Well, right? We'll, it's, we'll see. Know. We'll see. I, you're right. You're right. I could be wrong, but I mean, I think you know, there's more analog gear in the world that's harder to replace than there were you know floppy disks that just had yes. to be copied one last time. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. All right. So I think I think. Uh, that's that's a good way to to end it. I don't have anything else to add beyond that. I I, I agree. I I am not sure how big a deal it will be. Um, I do find it to be a little bit annoying. I mean, my other thing. This is just purely from. Uh, I, I like the fact that that my my phones have the audio jack on the top and the the. Um, the, the uh, charging part on I, the bottom for I like I thought that too. I thought it might be I, petty to mention. Yeah, <laughs> like when I carry it in my pocket or whatever, like there there are reasons for that. But, you know, that again may be just a small sort of I also little, like little fixing design. headphones with just, you know, scissors and some electrical tape, which I've done right. many, many times, right? Well, what yes. are what are all these guys going to do that use the audio jack for peripherals? Like, you know, they make non-audio yeah. devices that they plug into the audio which, jack. Which I've always appreciated the, you know, hacking spirit that it took to make that work for things like credit card readers and stuff. Yeah, credit card readers and and like, you know, good high quality microphones for for phones and things like that uh, like wait i got a question look god this is the wrong time to, to raise it <laughs> right at the very end when we're done Whatever. but uh, you know i was gonna say how do them it, it, audio jack is an output jack how do they read a credit card in that's insane. oh well it's always it's funny because this came up the other day when uh Costanza didn't know that his audio jack was also an input jack they're all all these days they're all switchable so oh, they detect okay. and can be used for input or output. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, they 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 do both, and you can actually like, um, you know, if you look at the audio, uh, the 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 plug, like, um, like this is how you can tell if if a if a uh, a plug will do a microphone or just if it'll do input or if it'll just do output is based on the number of lines on the the plug itself. Um, like if there's only two, then it's really just an output device. If there's three, it's also an input device. Yeah, because normal can the audio, audio jack also do power. Then no, I well, don't think so. No, not really. I mean, there are there are what's called balanced audio lines that have like a powered balanced signal, but consumer electronics don't normally have those. Like the, right. you know, uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, we're getting so far off. Now. Let's end it. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that's it. That, uh, good discussion. Um, we weren't sure how much we were going to have to say on this, and yet we've gone longer than our other podcast. So, anyways, all right. Uh, thanks, Lee, for jumping on this. Thanks, Hirsch, for joining us as always, and thanks to everyone who's listening. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.
no cap.